from Acts chapter 14, we hear this. In Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet and had never walked, for he had been crippled from birth. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And the man sprang up and began to walk. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifice. When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are mortals just like you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to follow their own ways, yet he has not left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Follow, O Lord, the preaching of this word with your spirit, that insofar as it is true, it will be written indelibly on our hearts. And insofar as it is false, it will be quickly forgotten and do no harm. May all the words of my mouth, and may all the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight and give thee glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In the past several months, I have been party to the following conversations about Christian faith with either youth, young adults, or parents. Some of these conversations are with people from Westminster. Some are with people from other churches. Some are with the general public. Here is some of what people have said to me or in my presence. What has held me back from believing about believing in God the past has been the question of why bad things happen to good people. But lately what I've most deeply felt is the question of why some people are born into such circumstances that they will never have a chance at life beyond pain and suffering, and survival. All emotions are physiologically based. It's brain activity, brain activity, brain activity. Even what you feel for your spouse or your child, it's all brain activity. There is no such thing as a soul. It's all a matter of physiology. 
So my question is this, what is the difference between predestination in Calvinism and Islamic fundamentalism? Aren't they saying the same thing? When I'm in a professional setting, I never feel I can talk about my faith. But I met someone the other day, someone I've known for years, and we found we were both elders in the Presbyterian Church. It led to a great conversation. I wish I could share my faith sooner and more often. Earlier this week, my daughter and I had a text exchange about the role of Christianity in American politics today. It was something we agreed on. It was the first time we have had a discussion of religion in 40 years since she left the church in which we raised her. It's the beginning of an answer of 40 years of prayer. I raised my son to be observant. After his bar mitzvah, mitzvah, he fell away. It's been this way for 30 years. It is the one major failure I feel as a parent. But it is in the most important aspect of parenting that I have failed. All these words I've heard spoken in recent weeks, months, or years. One of the best-known short stories of Raymond Carver is entitled, What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. What I propose today is that what we talk about when we talk about faith sometimes needs to be how we can talk about faith at all because we so rarely do. And when we do, no matter how many sermons we have heard, no matter how many hymns we have sung, no matter how many classes in Old Testament or New Testament we have taken, we don't really know how to talk about our faith. We don't even know that we should. What we talk about when we talk about faith is often how we feel unable or ill-equipped. Now, in the book of Acts, which we've been spending some time with this summer, there's a lot of talking about faith. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes to 3,000 people with tongues of fire, and Peter stands up to interpret what has happened with words, with talk. A chapter later, when after healing a lame man, Peter and John encounter tough questioning about their claim that Jesus is the Messiah long anticipated in Judaism, Peter seeks to show, again with words, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises to the Jews throughout their history, and that his death and resurrection are essential to his Messiahship. Eleven chapters later, in our passage for today, in an entirely different setting, Paul and Barnabas heal a man who's never been able to walk. 
And they are assumed by the hard scrabble working class people of Lystra to be gods come down from earth. A not uncommon belief in the religions of their day and time. Paul and Barnabas do all they can to convince the townspeople that they are not themselves gods. Instead, they encourage the Lystrans to believe in the one God through what they are able to see of the beauty of nature. There is a lot of talking about faith in Acts. The challenges early Christian leaders faced as Christianity spread across the Greco-Roman world often involved the threat of persecution and death. And it nearly always involved how to explain their new faith with its peculiar beliefs of redemptive death and triumphant resurrection to people whose language and culture were different from that of the initial leaders and from the Judaism in which the faith was hatched. The challenges they face in talking about their faith are different than the challenges we face in talking about ours. But in some of what they faced, I find some wisdom that we can receive as we seek to talk about our faith when the time and circumstances are right. The first thing we can glean from these early instances of talking on the part of Peter and Paul is that they differ in what they say. Peter's speech to Jews like himself, steeped in the scriptures, is based on what they have been taught all their lives. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, Peter says. God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like you. You must listen to what he tells you. Peter's talk about faith at Pentecost is thus talk about Christ as Messiah. By contrast, Paul's speech given to the townspeople at Lystra who are not Jewish but are Greco-Roman has little connection with Judaism. It says nothing about God or Christ or the Holy Spirit, but instead it emphasizes nature. Friends, Paul says, we bring you good news from the living God who made the heaven and the earth and sea, the sea and all that is in them. He has not left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Peter speaks about Christ. Paul speaks about nature. Peter speaks to educated, observant Jews in Jerusalem, Paul to working-class Romans in Lystra. Peter uses theological language, Paul uses the language of nature. What they have in common, however, 
is that both Peter and Paul meet the people with whom they are speaking where they are. They have the conversation in terms which the people with whom they are speaking can understand and to which they can relate. What this may say to us is that when we feel called upon to have a conversation about our faith with someone, especially someone with whom we are close. The most important aspect of the conversation is speaking in terms they can understand and addressing the real concerns they have. When we are talking with someone about faith, we need to start where they are. We need to answer to the best of our ability the questions they have, although not make up answers just to sound like we know what we're talking about. It's fine to say, I don't know. I say it all the time. The older I get, the more I say it. And we need to speak in a language and a culture that fits them more than it fits us. It is not always easy. Paul was raised Jewish on the road to Damascus. He was sent to an entirely different culture, the Greco-Roman world. It's not always easy. That's right. But it is possible. It is possible. Second, less important than the doctrinal points we might make is the common human bond we establish with whomever it is we are talking. The man and his daughter had not been able to talk about faith for years. And they found a common bond in a half-sentence text message in which they found something on which they agreed. A half-sentence in a text message. But it represented the beginning of a thaw in a relationship in which matters of faith and religion had been off limits for discussion for decades. When Paul begins his speech to the townspeople at Lystra, he says, We are mortals just like you. He then goes on to point to nature. Something which all human beings, to which all human beings have access as bearing witness to the existence and presence of God. What we talk about when we talk about faith is something we share with other human beings. And finally, when we talk about faith, we need to remind ourselves that what we say and how we say it only matters so much. It is neither our effort nor our eloquence that moves another person towards faith. It is rather the way God uses what we say through the Holy Spirit that determines whether the person with whom we are talking takes what we say and moves closer to faith. At the end of our story today, the very last sentence Patrick read, Luke writes, Even with these words, 
Paul and Barnabas scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. As hard as they tried, Paul and Barnabas were not able to dispel the Lystrans from the false notion that they, Paul and Barnabas, were gods. Conversely, when we venture venture to speak with someone about faith, we need to give ourselves the measure of grace that God gives us in recognizing that our words may not accomplish what we would like them to accomplish. We need to remember that it is ultimately what the Spirit does with our words as they are received by the person who hears them that moves that person to belief. This past winter, in a discussion at the Movable Feast Preaching Seminar, someone shared the prayer with which I began today's sermon. The prayer was new to me. I had never heard it before, but I wrote down every word as it was spoken. It most directly applies to preachers, but it can truly be said by any of us who ventures to speak of our faith with someone else, including a child or a grandchild we're tucking into bed. Listen to the prayer again. Follow, O Lord, the speaking of this word I am about to say with your spirit. That insofar as it is true, it will be written indelibly on the heart of the person with whom I am speaking. And insofar as it is false, it will be quickly forgotten and do no harm. What we talk about when we talk about our faith is more than anything else what God does with our words. Amen.